It is episode number 21. Is chocolate healthy or is it not? Which chocolate is healthy? Is it all of them? Is it some of them? Which percentage? There's so many numbers on chocolate packets these days. It's a confusing space, the whole naughty foods that are apparently healthy. So I'm going to clear that up for you right now. Let's go. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? I hope you've had a great week, and of course... Happy Easter. No matter what you did for Easter, whether you, of course, celebrated it for religious reasons or you're not religious, for social reasons or not at all, the likelihood is that there was plenty of chocolate in your weekend or at least has been in the last few weeks because the shops and supermarkets and absolutely everywhere has been throwing chocolate Easter eggs at us and bargains for different chocolates for weeks, months if not. Actually, I remember seeing hot cross buns. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you, on New Year's Day. Literally, like they just, you know, this consumerism commercial world we live in, they're just hitting you with those sugar-addicted foods to just get you to buy them all up. Um, Anyway, I digress. Um, So there was certainly a heap of sugar in my weekend uh, and chocolatey sugar, that is. So I was thinking about it when I was with my family and I really wanted to clear up some of the fog or the vagueness surrounding the chocolate conversation as I keep hearing people say this is healthy and that is healthy and there's there's just an absolute ton of options in every single supermarket or every single sweets or chocolate or sugar store. There's so many different options. So having these blanket statements toward chocolate about them being healthy or not is just not working in your favor because it's just too much of a generic statement to be useful. So, I'm going to share a bunch of scientifically proven benefits, but before I do that, I want to share the definitions so you know how to make the best choice and what you're looking at when you're in the supermarket. And I also want to touch on a little bit of history because I think food is medicine, history is fascinating for one. And I think you would have to be living under a rock if you didn't think many people were starting to return to that approach or at least it included in their allopathic therapeutic pathways. All right, so chocolate comes from the cacao bean. So the cacao bean is in a pod which comes from a cacao tree. And it was first founded by the Mayan people of sort of the Central American region. So Mayans were mostly known for their presence in Mexico, but also Ecuador and Peru. And uh, the documented history of it has it placed at about 350 BC that the Mayans were using cacao as a medicinal plant. And at that point in time, several of the most advanced cultures were using cacao as a medicinal plant. The the most common delivery method of, of consuming this was uh, through fermented beverages from cacao beans just made straight up. So it was just essentially 
just straight cacao beans. And I'm not sure if you've ever had 100% cacao chocolate. That is a bitter, a bitter, bitter drink. (laughs) Um, So the Mayans ruled in the Mexican region um, for a long time. And then it became the Aztecs in the 1300s, I believe, that the Aztecs came in and started running the show. But the Aztecs actually called the cacao, the fermented cacao drink, a food of the gods and uh, was used as a medicinal drink as we already know and that drink that they had was called Jocolatol and it was a very Mexican drink because it often included jalapenos or chili peppers okay so not only was it highly bitter the Jocolatol uh, it was also very spicy <laughs> although Mexicans are highly conditioned for high spice content but um, but yeah so imagine those two things going together but um, and obviously as you can hear in the language chocolatol is not so different to chocolate and chocolate so the word that they use chocolatol is actually spelled x-o-c-o-l-a-t-l but the pronunci- the enunciation of it is still very relevant to our western English um, anyway I just really like saying the word chocolatol. <laughs> um, anyway, so it wasn't only used as healing remedy, it was also used as part of God worship because, as I said, the Aztecs believed it was a food of the God. Um, it was also given to warriors, okay? Warriors had it before they went into battle because it was believed not only to be highly beneficial as... Um, highly beneficial from a nutrient perspective and a medicinal perspective, but it was also believed to be part of uh, giving someone luck. It was like a serum for success in battle, in the context of battle. Um, So after, so this was happening in the Mexican region or the Mayan region in you know a long long time ago, but it came to, to came to be a hit in the late 1500s in the Western world after the Spanish invaded much of Central America, North America, and um, you know that Mexican region. So many people don't know, but Mexico is actually considered and part of North America, okay? It's not South America, it's not Central America, but in today's modern map, Mexico is North America. But the invasion led by Herman Cortés, he overthrew the Aztecs and therefore learned about Jocolatol, and he took it, of course. He took it back to Spain, and that is where the decimation of one of history's most medicinal plants began because... He took it over to Spain and they started diluting it. They started, he started mixing it with things. You know, they were a bit more industrialized over there and had better technology. So it started mixing it with sugar and all sorts of different things to dilute it so that they could sell it and it could go further. And, um, and it, you know, leads through to, to today where obviously in the supermarket, it, uh, it couldn't be further from what cacao is actually meant to be. And I just want to make a quick distinction for everybody as well. I get a lot of questions about this. The difference between cacao, which is spelt C-O-C-A-O, and cocoa. Okay, so the difference is cacao is the raw bean. Okay, cacao is raw, 100% cacao unmixed, untampered with. Cocoa, the word cocoa actually came after it went to Spain in the late 1500s and it started to be, because they actually couldn't say the the, the Mayan word correctly and they actually struggled with it. So, and they actually started calling it cocoa because it was easier to say for them, but that also came to be the definition of the diluted or tampered with version of cacao. So, remember, cacao 
is 100% pure. Cocoa is diluted in some type of fashion, um, whether it be with additives or anti-caking agents or, or sweeteners. And as we know today, it's predominantly artificial sweeteners. So, fast forward to modern times and modern medicine, and there's more than 2,000 studies on the health benefits of cacao. So, it helps with tons of things, neurodegenerative stuff, detoxification, inflammation, stress, mood, uh, nervous system, happiness, mental health, a ton of things. Um, And with 2,000 clinical studies, most of which show positive outcome, the assumption is by many that it is a health food or it could be a superfood. But we need to remember, we need to put it in appropriate context. And that's what we're going to do today. So, before we move any further, I just want to give you a quick definition so that when you go to the supermarket, you know how to make these judgments. So, I'm going to start with the USDA, which is obviously the uh, American standard, but it's very similar for the likes of England and Australia and other Western countries. It's relatively similar. So, say uh, 100% cacao to 85. So, all these percentages are in cacao. So, 100% to 85 is considered brute, unsweetened or bitter. And I can guarantee that that is bitter. (laughs) Um, 65 to 85% is considered bittersweet. And 35 to 65% is considered semi-sweet. Now, legally, you have to have in your chocolate product, to call it chocolate, you have to have at least 10% cacao at least. But the problem is, of course, we're talking about food-grade products. And if you've listened listened to any of my uh, talks on food labeling and food standards and the standards of most food-grade supplementation, uh, food-grade laws are pretty vague and uh, there's lots of loopholes that you can jump through and different chemicals that you can, can come up with to avoid different laws. And like, it's really vague is the point. So, even though these are the standards of the USDA provide, you know, it's still very flexible and different business to business and company to company and product to product. And remember, white chocolate, it's white. (laughs) There's no chocolate in it. There's no cacao. It's 0% cacao. So, it shouldn't, legally, it shouldn't even be called chocolate, okay? It's literally just a straight up candy bar full of sugar, okay? So, which is just terrible, really. So, you're not going to remember that list there and neither do I. But So, the point is that this is what I use. This is my rule that I work with myself, my clients and anybody that asks me. So, this is what I do and I think that you guys might benefit from using this rule as well. So, 0% to 70% cacao, I consider as candy. It is not chocolate. There's too much added sugar. There's too much artificial sweeteners. There's too many toxic compounds for me to even consider that there might be health benefits from consuming this. Any cacao that you get for a product that is less than 70% is mitigated completely by the amount of shit that they put in it to compensate for the cacao gap. Does that make sense? Okay, so remember, anything 70% or below is candy. Anything 70% and above, that is chocolate. And of course, as we know it, it is dark chocolate. So, I want you just to have those two different categories with the tipping point being at 70% cacao, okay? And remember, I mentioned earlier on that there's a ton of different chocolates that we can pick from in the supermarket. Remember, the very vast majority of the chocolate that you know, love, see, consume, give to your kids, 
very vast majority of that is going to be actual candy via this classification. Candy, just straight up sugar, okay, as well as the other toxic compounds that that might that particular brand or product might have in it. So, I just want to give you some tips as well. Just This is more about awareness so that you can purchase things in a more informed manner. So, the general trend with supermarket chocolate is that the, the higher the cacao percentage, the more fat and the less sugar. So, um, I've got a podcast uh, from earlier in the year on fat and more fat is good, especially if it's natural and it's out of a plant. So, we're talking cacao, avocado, coconut. High fat is good. So, and cacao is a very high fat product. It's also a very high calorie product, but that's because there's so much fat content in it, but it's good for you. It's good for you. And of course, the more fat, the less added sugar. So, that's a benefit of going, another benefit of going with a high cacao percentage. There is also a ratio. So, the way that companies come up with their percentage, there is actually no hard and fast rule, but there is a ratio of cacao butter to cacao bean. Okay, so 70% might be made up of 35% cacao butter and 35% cacao bean. Okay, and the way that the bean is usually written is usually in cacao solids. Okay, that's usually what it says on the label. And and those things change from company to company. Like we're talking 70%, one might be 50% cacao butter and 20% uh, cacao bean solids. So, it's just different. Um Again, the higher you go, the better. But the more solids, the better. That's what you want. The closer to the whole real food, the better. So, the higher the percentage means the less milk products as well. Because as we know, 75% of the planet do not have the appropriate enzymes to break down lactose, which is in milk. So, you know, you don't have to go far to find out that milk is not very beneficial to the human gut, at least because it's, you know, 75% of the world can't process it, which means that it causes problems, okay? If you can't process something, it's a problem for you. Whether you feel it or not, it does have accumulative problematic effects, even if you don't really have a problem with milk, you know, just can expose yourself to something that your gut is not benefiting from can result in a long-term problem later on. Anyway, I'm going to do it. I'll do a bunch of podcasts on milk, but the higher the cacao percentage, the lower the milk products, okay? So, that is super, super, super important to reduce your dairy intake. Um, and we all know that all, how just fucking toxic refined sugar is. So, obviously, the higher the cacao percentage, the, the less sugar. Anyway, So, picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. 
It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Companies also start calling chocolate dark at about 30 to 50%, which in my my personal opinion is way, way too low because you're talking candy bars in that category. Actually, I have some dark chocolate right here. Can you hear it? Don't judge me, guys. Man's got to live. Um, I'm gonna, I, of course, have dark chocolate here. It says on the front, the percentage on the front is, so it says 99% sugar-free, and that's because there's no added sugar. Naturally, there's going to be some sugar in there, of course. Um, it says on the front, 70% cocoa. It says that it's got, uh, it's gluten-free. It says that it's dairy-free. Um, let's look at the percentage breakdown on the back of the label. So this one says, so, so this one's good. It has 70%, it's called, it's 70% on the front and it has on the label 70% cacao solids and 10% cacao butter. So, technically, by legal standings, this is actually an 80% bar. Um, But this one has 70% cacao solids. So, this one's really good, actually. This is the kind of thing you want to look for. Um, Anyway, I'm getting distracted with this chocolate. So damn good. I can't have too much of it because that that high cacao percentage is means that it's really bitter. It's very hard, very easy to overdo it. Um, anyway, so companies in the supermarket start calling chocolate dark from are in the thirty to fifty percent range, which, in my personal opinion, is completely inaccurate and misleading. You're not going to get the health benefits that chocolate provides at that lower cacao percentage. All right, now I want to get into six benefits of dark chocolate. Remember, we're talking above 70%. All of these research studies were done with chocolate above 70% cacao. Um, I'm probably going to go on more than six, but I picked the number six. All right, so number one, tryptophan stimulates serotonin. So, uh, there's tryptophan in cacao. It's a chemical that stimulates serotonin, which is the happy hormone, one of the happy hormones. So, there's a cocktail of hormones that are produced when you uh, get excited, get happy, get surprised in a positive way, have positive emotions, and they're obviously coupled with dopamines, the other familiar one, and it makes you feel good, okay, and your anxiety levels reduce. So, there was uh, two separate studies done. One found that tryptophan from cacao stimulates serotonin and another one, another study found that uh, ingestion of dark chocolate reduced anxiety feelings and experiences by the subject. Um, And one study in particular, separate to those two studies, found that combining dark chocolate with almonds would increase this effect. Okay, so have dark chocolate covered almonds to get an added benefit there. Uh, Number two, improves blood flow to the brain and dilates blood vessels. So, this is a perfect snack before a mentally challenging task. And it's exactly why I have dark chocolate with me right now. (laughs) Don't judge me, guys. Come on. I had a mentally challenging task, this podcast. (laughs) 
Um, and not only that, speaking of blood flow to the brain and dilating your blood vessels, it also reduces erythrocyte deformation. What is that? So, your erythrocytes are your red blood cells. They are the things that carry oxygen around your body. And just like everything in your body, new cells are always being produced for every part of your body. Most of your body is renewed over a period of weeks, months, or years continually throughout your life. Same with your red blood cells. And your body's like a manufacturing plant. It's always manufacturing these new cells for new bones, for new livers, for new eyes, for new skin. And it also does the same for red blood cells. But just like every manufacturing plant and process, every now and then it creates a problem one that gets the production wrong. Um, And the more unhealthy you are, the more incorrectly produced cells you're going to have, which will result in health problems long term and disease, of course. So, but they found that eating dark chocolate reduces erythrocyte deformation. Mean and what happens when an erythrocyte or a red blood cell is deformed? It means its oxygen carrying capacity is reduced, damaged, or eliminated, and that reduces the amount of oxygen that can get around your body, to your organs, to your muscles. So, the more dark chocolate you have, according to this, the better your erythrocyte deformation ratio is, and therefore you're going to have more oxygen going to where it needs to go in your body. Number three, lowers blood pressure. And they did this study for 18 weeks and they had one block of dark chocolate per week. Now, the study did not determine what one block was. I'm not sure if it was one bar or one, you know, normal normal size chocolate block. And in a different country, the normal size chocolate block will be different, but they found that it lowered blood pressure. Number four, cacao is very high in polyphenols, flavonoids, and antioxidants, which is important for a bunch of things. So, give me a sec. So, it cleans blood vessels and keeps them flexible. You want your blood vessels to be flexible so that it facilitates good circulation and temperature control around your body and distribution of micronutrients. So, it's also good for patients with peripheral artery disease or poor circulation, as I just mentioned. Um, It's good for free radicals. So, free radicals are a byproduct of uh, metabolism and energy production in your cell and they're just these random electrons that are completely unstable. They're roaming around your cell, damaging your DNA by running into it or damaging parts of your cell by just hitting it incorrectly or breaking the cell wall and antioxidants. Uh, so, a free radical is like an oxidant for explanation's sake and your antioxidants come and clean those oxidants up, okay? So, you want to reduce the number of free radicals. But uh, a level of of free radicals in your system is important for good health, okay, because they serve an immune function at a low level. Um, not only that, these also improve the integrity of the nucleus. So, the nucleus is the round sphere or membrane that protects and houses your DNA. And of course, cleaning up these free radicals in your cells uh, also means that it's good for detox. The studies showed as well that it's good for anti-aging and can facilitate preservation of your telomere length. So, telomeres and anti-aging have been a bit of a hot topic over the last few years in the biohacking space. So, dark chocolate's good for that. And dark chocolate is also high in iron, magnesium, copper, phosphorus, uh, selenium, a a ton of micronutrients. This is why it was used as a medicinal and nutrient-rich drink for thousands of years. But you know, we've got to remember in modern days, it's been heavily tampered with, with all sorts of things that aren't that beneficial to us. So, guess what is also high in the same types of micronutrients? 
pumpkin seeds. <laughs> so keep them in your day. Um, you can even get dark chocolate covered pumpkin seeds. I had some across Easter and they were amazing. <laughs> uh, all right, number five, increases IQ. How does it do that? It increases your brain plasticity. So children have the most plastic brain or their brain has the best plasticity when you're a child. And it means that your brain is able to think and grow in ways that it wouldn't otherwise. As you get older, your plasticity gets more rigid when you just continually do the same tasks over and over and over. You don't introduce new concepts to your brain, new ways of thinking, new challenges, new uh, tasks, new problem solving, and your, your brain just gets more and more rigid and rigid and rigid and you become more and more rigid as a person and your personality because you are unable to access the capacity that your brain has because you've just it's the very much a if you don't use it you lose it scenario so so it increases your iq because it increases your brain's plasticity and number six number six you're going to be ready for this it's an aphrodisiac So, phenylethylamine is known in the lab as the love drug. This is what makes chocolate an aphrodisiac. (laughs) So, uh, phenylethylamine is an organic compound and it acts on the central nervous system and is a it's a stimulant to humans in a way that usually arouses us in a sexual way. And obviously, the commercialization of Valentine's Day and that chocolate is a good gift to your loved one. And that's because cacao can facilitate aphrodisia. And we also have come to learn that chocolate is associated with sexual interaction and romantic interaction. So, we've also got that added layer on top, which isn't biological, but it is mental. And the way we think about things means that our beliefs affect biology. And there's lots of research coming out around that too. And I'm talking about the likes of uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton and Joe Dispenza. Dr. Joe Dispenza, you, you guys probably know them. I'll talk about them on the podcast. If not get them on the podcast at some point. So anyway, the point is there's a ton of benefits as long as you're getting high percentage cacao chocolate. So remember also that chocolate is high in calories and whilst it has some serious, like seriously great benefits, until you're eating a very high cacao percentage, well above 70%, then it really, in my opinion, is not worth it because our modern commercialized world has added a bunch of damaging toxic shit into most supermarket products. So make sure you eat dark, eat less of it than you would otherwise, and make sure that you keep broccoli, kale, and pumpkin seeds in your diet. (laughs) All right, guys, I hope this really helped clear up some of the confusion. Remember, Zero to seventy percent is candy. Seventy to one hundred percent is dark chocolate. There's only two classifications in my mind, and the one, the only one that you can benefit from, is above seventy percent, because the other ones, as I just mentioned, have too much crap in them. All right. So remember this, and remember that if you've got the choice between whole real foods and a rainbow-colored plate and dark chocolate you should probably go with the rainbow-filled plate and just have one tiny square of chocolate, which is what I'm going to do right now. So, um, thanks for listening, guys. Mmm, this is so good. I'll catch you on the next one. Happy Easter. 
Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use, and we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.